Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language, adult themes, and sexual content. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. Welcome to a very special episode of the Raunchy Power Hour podcast, where we will be interviewing the author of Social Distance, Jun Yi. As always, I'm your producer, Ashlyn. And I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. And I'm the other talkie woman, Lauren. Now get ready to get raunchy. And welcome to a very awesome episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Now, Sydney, normally I would have a question to ask you, but it actually looks like we have a special guest with us this evening. Uh, welcome to the author of Social Distance, Jun Yi. We are so thankful that you are taking the time to join us on this podcast. And if you'd like to introduce yourself to the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you yet, we would love to have you uh, get familiar with the audience. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm June. I'm uh, the author of Social Distance, which is a pandemic romance set in our current pandemic based in L.A., uh, I'm a romance author, also based in LA, and um, Social Distance is my debut romance novel. And in my past life, I was a software engineer at a very large tech company. Well, thank you so much. We are incredibly excited to chat with you. We'll definitely be asking you a lot of questions about your background, sort of what got you into wanting to write romance novels, and of course, about the wonderful novel that was Social Distance. Uh, for the listeners at home, if you haven't listened to our review of her novel, Social Distance, we highly recommend that you do. No spoilers, but it was really, really great. And we're super excited to chat with her. But I think without further ado, Sydney, would you like to kick us off with our first question? Thank you, Lauren. Uh, I would love to ask a couple questions. So starting off, June, could you give us kind of an overview of your background be before you started writing? Like, what were your interests? Uh, before then? Yeah, so I've always been a really, really big reader. I think it started off as a child and I first got that scholastic book fair kind of like mailer thing that we would get in school. And I think that probably dates me, but that kind of started off my whole journey into reading. And I hadn't read a lot of romance novels until high school which I think is good but the first romance novel I read which when I tell people and they say it's not a romance novel might um explain a lot of things for me was um Flowers in the Attic by B.C. Andrews which I guess is not part of that genre but I've always really liked reading it and I kind of picked up more during the pandemic just because I wanted something kind of cozy and safe and kind of happy ending to escape into because just times were tough and because of where I worked which was uh, a large tech company that got its start in books I had a lot of background in books and I was always really book adjacent so I always did a little bit of writing as a hobby, not really full time until recently. And I don't know, after working so long, just working on like one part of my brain, I wanted a break. So I took a long break to write social distance and it let me exercise like the other part of my brain that I think was kind of collecting cobwebs. That's 
Really awesome. Also, the book fair thing is so relatable. Because <laughs> I remember saving up all my money to go to the book fair and spend it all just in the first day and then beg my parents for more so I could go come home with like even more the next day. I wish that we had that as an adult. I know, right? <laughs> I guess it's just going to the bookstore now, but it's not as fun. <laughs> Um, and kind of going into my next question, you kind of already answered it, but it was what ultimately kind of led you to pursue a career in writing? That's a good question. I think part of it was I always had this like idea of a story in my brain that was kind of rattling around and I wrote it while I was still working as a developer and I wrote about half of the first manuscript and then some things happened at work where I kind of needed a break. So I took advantage of taking this break and I finished writing the rest of the manuscript. And I had a lot of experience writing short form as like a writer. And I wrote for like some publications kind of on my free time, but I've never written like a complete novel before. So I wanted to try to concentrate my energy into that while I still could. And I didn't need to like have a day job for a little bit. That's so cool that you've kind of have written before and then kind of took that time to then finish up this um, this project that you'd been working on for a while. And kind of another question I have is what really attracted you towards the romance genre in general? Well, I was always a really big fan of reading it. And I like that it's it's kind of low stakes because you know there's going to be a happily ever after, but you kind of, you're excited about like, how are they going to get to that point? And you're not super, it's not super scary. It's not like, I don't know. I read a lot of other genres. Like I read a lot of horror. I read a lot of space opera and sci-fi and those scratch a different part of my brain. But something about romance just always appeals to me when I'm like looking for something to just have like a fast, fun time to read. And um, in terms of writing, because there is um, an expected story arc, it appealed to the programming part of my brain where like I knew kind of the different beats I wanted to hit in a story. I just wanted to kind of refine what I did in each scene and how is I was going to get there. So I like that there was like already an expected outline that readers wanted to read. And that kind of helped me center the story in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I were writing in a different genre and I needed to just like make something up from scratch. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I really love that comment, especially about the whole arc thing, because I find that to be, yeah, it, that's kind of what you expect from a really good romance book. And that's, that's really interesting. But were you inspired by any particular like book or author per se for social distance or just in general that you pull inspiration um, from? Not really. I read just a lot of contemporary romance and historical romance and like all of the tropes kind of I try to figure out which ones I wanted to use for the story. The thing that really inspired me, I guess, was um, I forgot the author's name, but there's kind of a Bible for writing romance novels called Romancing the Beat. And even as a reader, I really recommend that book because it talks about the structure of a romance novel 
and like how to build tension and where which parts to put like the conflict and the major conflict and how to get to the happily ever after at the end. And after I read that, I think after I read that, I was still kind of in reader mode. So I was reading a couple more romance novels after that. And I was like, oh, this like this kind of outline works for so many romance books and also like non-romance books, too. And it really inspired me to kind of outline what I wanted to do in my novel. I think you may have just put a book on our to read list. (laughs) Especially considering this is a romance book podcast, and I think we could definitely learn a thing or two. That's that's really cool. I didn't know that. Thank you so much. All right. And I think, Lauren, you had some questions, too. Absolutely. So I know we touched on uh, a little bit of sort of your career background and moving away from sort of software development and moving sort of into becoming an author. And I was wondering, sort of since you've taken that plunge in your career trajectory, what have you noticed as sort of like the pros and cons of being an author? Um, I think one of the pros of having just more time during the day to work on writing is just you have the freedom of spending however long you want to write. But one of the cons is also because you have so much time. I know for me, if I don't have a deadline, I just kind of procrastinate or I'm just like scrolling social and doing all this other stuff. So like one of the cons is you really need to just be on top of your stuff and be your own boss and make sure like, all right, I need to hit these certain word counts or I need to edit this many chapters and just being the bad guy because there's no like, manager or boss over you anymore. I could definitely see how there would be a good amount of freedom and flexibility, but also almost a give and take of too much of that flexibility. Like there's a lot of advantages to being your own boss, but I think I can definitely see as someone that is a deadline pusher myself. I don't know if I would thrive (laughs) being my own boss. I make some very bad impulsive TikTok decisions. It's a bad Gen Z habit. But sort of uh, speaking of sort of going into writing your first novel, Social Distance, uh, we noticed that sort of on the Amazon page that it was self-published through a company called Cozy Reading Time. I was wondering, is there anything in particular that drew you to self-publishing or maybe Cozy Reading Time itself as a company? Um, Yeah, so this is my self-publishing company, Cozy Reading Time, and it started off as and inside joke with my family because we would ha- have these cozy reading times where we would all get our books together and have a little charcuterie board and some drinks like on the couch and just read for a couple hours. And it was just like one of like the nice ways to spend time without being in front of a screen and not having to really interact with each other too. But um, I just made it to self-publish because, well, a number of factors I was always like working in like a publishing adjacent field so I would always hear all the gossip and the problems with some of the big five publishers and I wasn't sure if I was like ready to join in on that and I feel like especially like nowadays when you see like the HarperCollins Union and just what authors are making or not making I think we're at like an inflection point with like profits that the CEOs are making at the big publishers and like what the writers and even like the editorial assistants are making. And I feel like with things being so easy with self-publishing, as long as like you want to do the work, 
which I wanted to do, then it didn't make sense for me to like go and find an agent and query my book that way. Querying a book is also, I think, another skill that I didn't have and I didn't necessarily want to pick up just because I was trying to work on like writing and honing that craft. Whereas like writing a query letter was like a completely different style of writing that I didn't know how to do and I wasn't ready to learn yet. Plus, I'm always the type who's always like wanting to do stuff myself first to see what all of the steps are and what part of the process I liked or didn't like. So I figured for my first book, I could try to bring it as far as I can from manuscript to publish publishing and see how much work that was and wh- whether or not I wanted to do that for the next book. That is super awesome. I I think I've touched on this in like previous episodes in the past, if not surprise to listeners. I actually uh, have a relative of mine that also self-publishes and she has uh, some very similar reasons uh, sort of with her going through. I believe she also sort of went through like, I think it was like an Amazon adjacent self-publishing route. And she thought that was something that really worked for her. She has since written many novels that also are in that self-publishing space. Um, But I was wondering uh, for... For your novel, Social Distance, can you talk a little bit about the process of like going through self-publishing and sort of making cozy reading time? Yeah. So the first thing, I don't know if this is the right process, but this is what I did. I came up with like a draft, the first draft, and I do most of my stuff in Scrivener, which is like a manuscript writing software. So I do a first draft and after I'm completely done, I try to do it like from beginning to end, even though I know as we're writing, it's just like, oh, I want to go back and fix this chapter. But no, just keep going, get to the end. So I get to the end and then I'll take like a week or two off and not think about the book or try not to think about it just to like let it sit. And during that time, I'll like read something else and something completely different and just try not to think about it. Then after that, I'll read the manuscript all the way through, but with a notebook so that I can take high level notes for like story and developmental editing. So things like, oh, does like the the overall story arc make sense? Should I move some chapters around? Are there any plot holes? Are there any character inconsistencies? So I'll make those edits. Then I'll read it again from the beginning. And then... Once I'm kind of whittling down all the high level edits, I get it ready for alpha readers. So these are usually one or two friends who kind of know that this is a very, very rough draft and they'll read it and they'll give me some feedback about like, does the storyline work? Like, are there any other types of um, plot holes or character holes? Like, do the characters seem realistic? So like, there's like a bunch of rounds of those editing. And while those are getting done and I'm waiting for feedback I start like the social media campaign I like try to figure out what I want to do for the cover for social distance I actually commissioned um a friend of mine who's a really good illustrator Monty Park to do the cover and I kind of had an idea of what I want I was like I wanted two people who are like in mass with food which if you look at the cover like she kind of did exactly like she took my weird notes and put it in a cover that looks great. So we went through a couple rounds of those and with like figuring out like the font and everything for the titles. So once everything is ready and like I'm kind of satisfied with the edits because I know there's it's never going to be perfect. Like you always want to go go back and edit it, but 
there's this like saying when you're like a software engineer that uh, done is better than perfect. So I just kind of apply that to my writing. And if it's at the point where like, I can just keep editing and editing it, but it'll never like really change it that much. Then I released it. So I released it on um, Amazon's KDP, which was really easy for a first time user of it. So you just upload an EPUB, you upload the cover in the format they want, and you say like when you want it to come out and you just press go. And it wasn't that simple, but it was fairly simple. So once it's released, then it's just like the whole, well, I guess some people say that you should start marketing before the release, but I wanted to do it a little bit after. So then you start the whole like social media marketing campaign. That is super cool to hear about. I know I mentioned my relative, but like I was super young when she started writing books. So I never really heard about the ins and outs of what it was like to go through that editing phase, the manuscripts, getting like beta readers and then going through the actual like self-publishing methods. And that I feel like that does sound I mean, maybe you're just fantastic at explaining things. That's actually does sound really easy. And that's super great. I'm glad you found that medium that works for you. But thank you so much, too, for establishing a little bit about your background. Hopefully the listeners know a little bit more about you at this point. But now I would love to hand it off to Sydney and ask you some details about uh, your journey in actually writing social distance. I did want to say, too, how you were talking about your creative process as someone who is also in a creative like career space. I 100 percent get it. <laughs> Um, but kind of the next question that we have for you here is like, how did you come up with the idea for social distance? Like, I am so intrigued to see how you came up with this idea. Well, it started off kind of as a joke that my spouse had. We were kind of like deep in the first lockdown of the pandemic. And, you know, like things were like scary and weird and isolating. And we were just kind of like, I think, going out of our minds. And he was making some joke about like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if there was a romance novel with like, the pandemic as a backdrop and like you had to like wear a mask and he would be like oh like you know there would be like sexual tension with a mask will they won't they because I was reading a lot of romance novels then and I was like uh I don't know how that would work but I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and I couldn't like stop thinking and it became kind of like a challenge where I was like yeah I think I can write something about that because when you read a romance novel, there's always like some kind of an external conflict that the two characters are trying to overcome or avoid. And the pandemic is like the perfect external conflict because you have to be separated from people that are not within your bubble in order to stay safe, especially like during that like early lockdown period when we didn't really know anything. So like the only thing we could do is not see anybody. Yeah, that's, ooh, I love that. That's so cool. Um, and uh, kind of going along with that, is the final version of social distance different from kind of how you originally imagined? Um, I guess I didn't really have any specific things in mind when I was first thinking about it. So I would say it's pretty similar in that I didn't have like a, concrete idea I know I wanted something that was like cozy feeling to kind of offer a different alternative to that timeline where like 
things were really, really scary and bad. And like a way to show that people could still like connect and find love when everything is going to hell. Wow. That's such a, that's like such a powerful message. And I know we kind of talked about it in um, one of our podcasts when we talked about your book and how our experiences with the early pandemic. And I think we can all kind of relate to that isolated feeling. And I will say your book definitely was very cozy in the way of feeling just like a warm hug (laughs) in a time where things were uncertain, especially during then. Oh, thank you for saying that. Of course. (laughs) Uh, Lord, uh, you have a question? So I know we already kind of touched on your writing process of like start to finish of drafting social distance. But I was wondering sort of, did you have any specific writing ritual that you would have during the pandemic to either, I guess, like establish that like writing discipline of meeting deadlines? So I guess like specific time of day, location, did you have like a ideal page count per day? Anything like that? Yeah, so I usually... Because half of this manuscript was first written while I was like working during the day, I would write in the evening. So I usually try to write kind of after dinner before I get super, super tired and sleepy and I just want to like read a book. So I try to write at least a thousand words a day and I kind of like set up the mood by like I'll go into my office and I'll have... Like if it's cold, I'll have like a warm drink, like a hot toddy. If it's hot, I'll have a cold drink, like a whiskey soda. And I'll like have, have that. And then I'll close the door and I'll try to like read the like previous couple of pages just to see like where I'm at. And then I try to write at least a thousand words. And sometimes I'll go like two or three thousand words in one sitting just because like when you're in the zone you're like really in the zone and other times it's like pulling teeth I was like okay I just need to put the words down they need they don't need to be good words they just have to be words and I try to balance that out and eventually I think when I got to my desired word count and I wasn't done with the story yet I was like okay now I need to just not concentrate on word count, but like just try to write out the story and kind of finish up the story arc and figure out like where these characters are going. I incredibly admire that level of discipline, especially assuming this was during like the pandemic lockdown, right? Right. I don't, I feel like I can't even remember what I was doing during the pandemic. And if I did remember, it wasn't anything of value. I promise. So the fact- Yeah, I think a lot of it was just like distraction from like just reloading the news sites and like just going into that news spiral. I needed some other outlet. And what an awesome distraction it ended up being. I mean, I mean, we've said it so many times. We absolutely adored it. And that is a lot more productive and wonderful than anything I made out of the pandemics. That is super awesome. But Sydney, did you want to take the next question? I will. And I was about to say, I think the most productive thing I did during the pandemic was like, do you remember the frothy froth coffee that everyone was making from TikTok? I think that was the most productive thing I did. (laughs) So you wrote a whole book. You go. Uh, but kind of uh, the last question from just talking about your writing process in general for writing social distance is so from start to finish, 
how long did it really how long did it take you to write social distance um i have a pretty exact count of this because i'm a super nerd and i use um this piece of software I use for my code, but for writing instead. So it lets you date like from the beginning of your project to the end. I started the first, like the first words on the page were July, 2021. And I stopped editing and like touching it, I think October, 2022. So I wasn't writing the whole time, but that's like how long it took for it to get to a finished state. So like a year and three months. Wow. Sorry, I'm geeking out. I love that. I love the hard numbers. <laughs> I love that. Um, so then kind of going into what was your do you have a favorite part of your of the writing process or a least favorite, like something that stood out to you? Yeah, I think my favorite part is just drafting it. Like that first draft, you have so much freedom of like it's so you're in like this exploration mode right you're just like what what's gonna happen with the story I don't know just keep writing and you're just trying to figure out the characters and the characters are growing as they're moving along in the story and you're adding more scenes and more of a story arc so I really love the first draft because you're just so free and open and there's so many possibilities of where you can go and I guess it's not a surprise that the my least favorite part is releasing it because then I feel like you just like close the book and that's it. Whatever edits or changes you want to make, nope, it's finished. Which like, I think it was really scary for me because especially like when you're doing something creative, when you want to like finish, then you show it to everybody. And then it's like you're showing everybody up piece of you which is really scary and like puts you in a vulnerable place yeah that is extremely relatable and I I just admire the fact that you put it out in the first place into the world because it is it is truly something that's fantastic Thank you. I think the best thing that like got me over that hump was like I showed it, I think, to uh, a close friend. And I was like, OK, like this guy's going to read my smut. Are we still going to be friends after this? And we were. And he said it was great. And then after that, my mother-in-law read it and she liked it. And I was like, I'm done. Like all of the bad things that I thought would happen kind of happened. And I'm still alive and I'm not just mortified or anything. So I think I'm OK. You heard it here, listeners. Share your work with your friends and family. <laughs> Share your smutty work with your friends and family. <laughs> All right. And, oh, actually, wait. I think, Lauren, you have one more question. Yeah. So sort of a little bit different from the questions we've been asking thus far. But we were wondering if you could travel back in time to July of 2021 and change any aspect of social distance, what would you change and why? Um, that's a good question. I think non-specifically, probably better editing and just like, I think I've really made some improvements with my writing as I went along. So having that skill set in the beginning would have been nice. But in terms of story, I think I would have changed some things with, um, Theo's exchanges with Olivia because I'm trying like the second book might have to do with Olivia so like trying to blend 
the things that are happening together while not changing one story is really challenging. I don't know if you saw all of us like folding back into the dimensions of our chair. <laughs> we, on like the second half of the review, talked at length about how we wanted to see an Olivia sequel because we love Olivia. We were even shocked by like her physical descriptors in the epilogue. And we thought she was so cool. There was so much material with that like roommate that she had going and that he was described as like smelly. And <laughs> we, we loved that. And that that's like the best news I've gotten all week. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> awesome. Well, speaking of social distance, we would love to sort of get into the weeds to ask you some detailed questions we had about the novel, your experience writing it, and especially the lovable main cast, Thea and Gabe. And so our first question to you, I think you've already touched on it a little bit, so so sorry if it's redundant, but was there anything in particular that inspired you to write a romance set in the COVID-19 lockdown? I know you mentioned your spouse sort of came up with the initial idea. Um, I think part of it was just like capturing that feeling as like a time capsule. And while I was writing it, we were already out of kind of the the first big lockdown. I don't know how it was where you are, but where I was like, the streets were empty. It was just really eerie. So we were out of that, but time was so weird. I couldn't even remember like what, like the first part of it. So I was like, oh, maybe if like, if I write some scenes about it, then like I can look back on it later and jar my memory. But I think part of it was just like the challenge of like, how do you bring these two people who were strangers together? Yeah. And you did it really well in such a what I would argue was like a very difficult setting to accomplish that in. And going off of that, I was wondering, was sort of the I guess, like the fictional setting of the COVID-19 pandemic and social distance reflective of your personal pandemic experience? Or did you take a little more creative liberties to make it work for social distance? Um, I took some creative liberties with like just kind of distance and how long it takes to drive from one end of LA to the other because just geography and traffic is really strange but also because I had like such a fuzzy memory of what things were like back then which wasn't I guess it was like more than three years ago so I took some liberties with like the timing of when the lockdowns happened and when and they got lifted and what the different guidelines were because I think people had different ways of staying safe in their bubble and like I was definitely more on the paranoid side of things just because like I interact with like a lot of people who are from like multi-generational families who are like at higher risk too and people who are like living alone may not have as uh, big of a risk profile but then from like what I was hearing with like coworkers and friends like people who are living alone were like I think working with a different set of challenges, which was just like the isolation of not seeing anybody. Like I was lucky where I was isolated with my family and sometimes they annoyed me, but like we were still around. Yeah, and I think uh, Sid and I might have touched on that uh, in one of the episodes where we reviewed it. But in talking about our pandemic experiences, I remember we touched on that feeling of isolation and how not only did social distance sort of 
like really capture those feelings. You you called it a time capsule earlier. That is exactly how it came across to us as readers. It truly did feel like a time capsule, but also in a way that wasn't like at all like a traumatic type of time capsule. If anything, I think it was very it applied a new lens to the pandemic that I think all of us really appreciated. It brought like sort of a charm and I think it brought almost like rose colored glasses too. I think what was probably a really harrowing and like paranoid experience for pretty much everyone that endured it. So in a way, I think like we have a lot to thank you for in sort of adding like a silver lining to it and, and having a story that made it just feel yet relatable, but also still kind of enjoyable. But Sid, did you want to ask the next question? I do indeed. So my main question here is, how did you come up with the protagonists, uh, Gabe and Thea? <laughs> um, so people who, are reading, who read it and knew me were like, oh, is Thea you or is Gabe you? And I feel like I'm not either of them. I guess I'm more... Gabe and that I'm pretty conflict averse and I guess externally I'm Thea because like I'm of East Asian descent and I feel like I I also write <laughs> but they were kind of just I don't know amalgamations of like some people I knew characters from other books and I had a scaffolding of like what these characters were like in the beginning just like some of their personality traits that I wanted them to have but they really just kind of grew into their own as the story progressed and I wanted to like give them the freedom to grow and change and deal with their own conflicts. I had actually some questions about like who did you did you draw inspiration from anyone personal in your life that helped you create the end Gabe and like which character do you relate more to with Gabe and Thea? But the big question I want to ask you is if social distance were a movie, who would your <laughs> actors be for Thea and Gabe? <laughs> oh, this is hard. Hmm. I kind of had some people in mind while I was writing it, but then I don't want to be like creepy, but like, oh, he looks like so and so. So it was kind of just like mixed up in my mind. But when I went back and I was thinking about like, well, if it was a movie, I think Gabe would probably be like Diego Luna, you know, the guy from Rogue One. Because I feel like he's kind of like soft, but also like pretty hot. And for Thea, because she's like Singaporean or because she's um, Taiwanese and Filipino, like she has kind of a, I don't know, like a vague mixed look. So it's hard to say, like maybe somebody like Jessica Hennick, you know who that is? She's in um, Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. I think she's like Singaporean and English. Ooh, those are good casting choices. I like these casting choices. <laughs> uh, oh, well, then another one would be for Olivia. Who would you cast as Olivia? Well, I don't want to get into spoilers because there's like a whole like thing about Olivia. So TBD. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, then here is kind of one of my last burning questions about um, one of our protagonists, Gabe. What's his last name? <laughs> we couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I put it in because I, his, 
kind of gone through so many different iterations of his last name, but I think I ended up with Diaz, which is D-I-A-Z, like Gabe Diaz. We have a name, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So another question I kind of have is, do you consider either Gabe or Thea to be the quote unquote, like ideal partner? Why or why not? um for each other definitely not I think I wrote them with like internal conflicts that really clash with each other so for example like Gabe's whole like conflict averse thing and Thea's whole I don't want to commit to a relationship and I think that's where a lot of their tension was and I wrote it that way so that there could be a little more character growth where Hopefully they'll meet in the middle or figure out some kind of compromise that each of them are happy about. But I think they end up growing, not maybe not into ideal partners for each other, but as like happy to deal with their conflicts together. I love that answer because as you know, this is a Gabe Stan podcast and we believe Gabe doesn't deserve anyone else than how Gabe treats Thea. (laughs) But, Lord, I think you have a question. A query, if you will. (laughs) A query, indeed. Yeah, so we haven't reviewed a whole lot of books on the podcast thus far, but we have done a lot of research on books that we may be interested in reviewing, just sort of like seeing what's out there in the market. And just even with like a tertiary kind of glance. Obviously, I think your eyes tend to fall on a lot of like mainstream romance media, which I think just from like looking outsiders looking in really seems to be dominated as like straight white like cisgendered romantic leads and while you know i think that's great and there can absolutely be a ton of novels that just happen to have that kind of casting that's really great i do believe you're the first like multicultural romance that we've come across and certainly that we've read for the podcast and we absolutely adored it and would genuinely love to see more and we wanted to get your thoughts on possibilities of or suggestions you have for diversifying the romance genre and if there is any work or suggests that you have in areas that are lacking sort of in that publishing space yeah I think like especially now there's just so much more in the romance genre than there was before which is nice because like there's all the there are all these niches they you don't need to always read like male female romance there's like different tropes for all sorts of different folks and I feel like you can find anything and I like it because there's like it's meeting readers where they are where they can like read something that they can relate to as well as just like read something different and maybe expand their preferences so like one author that I really like is um, Jasmine Guillory she writes really really good just like adult characters who communicate well and are like in healthy relationships so like if you like that kind of like you don't like the miscommunication trope and you want people to just be like functional adults who know how to talk about their feelings like Jasmine Guillory is like perfect and um another author I think I read recently was C.L. Polk so she wrote they maybe they wrote um a sapphic novella that I don't want to put too many spoilers in it, but it's called Even Though I Knew the End. And it's kind of like a mystery whodunit with some magical realism. 
about like these two women in like it's not in the modern era but I don't know if it's like an alternate history but in like kind of the roaring 20s maybe and maybe I'm not dating it correctly but there's there's just like so much out there that we don't need to always read about like two white people doing white people things heard that for sure absolutely and ashlyn um did you happen to write those down they sound excellent okay awesome Yeah, thank you so much for speaking on that. We definitely appreciate any and all recommendations. And I think moving forward would definitely love to diversify sort of the audiences and the identities that are represented in these romances and super appreciate those recommendations. But speaking of sort of like favorite elements of romance novels, I have was wondering what is your favorite scene and or line that you wrote in Social Distance? Uh, this is really hard to pick because like it's like picking your favorite child right <laughs> I think my favorite scene is probably just like that like domestic bliss scene where they're I think Thea's going over to Gabe's for the first time and he's cooking for her and she's just kind of like you know like scoping out his place I don't know if this is what you do but like whenever I go to like a guy's house if I'm like dating them you're just kind of like oh like like what's going on like is this clean like what does the bathroom look like and just you just kind of try to match what who they are with like how their place is and she's kind of doing a little bit of that and he's just like cooking and I don't know being really sweet a hundred percent I definitely can relate a lot to Thea in that scene in particular because I am nosy by nature is what my mom says uh to a fault sometimes, but I'm definitely the type that would say, oh, I'm going to the restroom and then spend a suspiciously long amount of time. And they're just looking through things and being like, OK, what's out of order here? What's the red flag that I'm trying to point out? But that scene is definitely adorable. All the scenes I thought were absolutely adorable with them two together and we couldn't get enough of their interactions. But speaking of that, Sid, do you want to take the next couple questions? Yes, please. So my next question focuses around the food aspect of this book, which while Thea and Gabe are our main characters, I feel like it's highlighted with all the food they eat and the vivid and amazing descriptions you have of these different foods. Um, But did you eat any of these dishes while you were writing to like inspire that? Yeah, I I think I've eaten most of the dishes that I wrote about. I think I'm lucky enough when we're like in LA, you can just get so many dishes and good food if you're willing to drive. So I think that's what kind of inspired me to write, like have food be such a focal part of the story. And it's also a way of like, I feel like the immigrant experience doesn't need to always be about like trauma and not fitting in. And like my lunch is too smelly for school. Like it could just be about like using food, like especially like in like Chinese culture. I think food is a way that people show that they love you and they won't they won't use words and say like, I love you. But they'll like say, have some fruit or like have some dinner. And it's like a way for people to show that they care. And I think having food be the focal point of like Thea's work was a way to get her to be a little more soft or emotional when usually she's kind of like standoffish. 
that that's a really amazing message and because I didn't I didn't think about it that way and that's a really amazing message and honestly I kind of want to read through the book again and see that line of thinking um and going from a very sincere answer to a very joking and stupid question what are your thoughts on mushrooms cuz we cuz we <laughs> at the Raunchy Power Hour crew have very strong opinions <laughs> I think mushrooms are really divisive. Like I, I love most mushrooms, but I can see why people don't like them because I hate, hate, hate button mushrooms. <laughs> Everything else is fine, but mu- button mushrooms—they just like, uh, what's going on with them? Like, there's no way for it to be good. See, I have a thing with texture and food, and I, I can't do mushrooms. Like, I just, I can't. I've tried. I can't do it. <laughs> They are but, a little scary because they're not they're not plants, they're not animals, they're like this other thing. Yeah, I think that also creeps me out. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I don't like it. And I've seen and when we got across this part of the book, The Last of Us had just come out too, so we were like, mm-mm. <laughs> uh so kind of going off that, if you could recommend one dish featured in your novel. What would it be? Um, I think it would probably be, I think, in the scene where they're eating on Thea's porch for the first time and she's having Ethiopian food. Like, I would really recommend that. Like, it, it tastes good if you like, like, kind of strongly spiced things. It's fun to eat with your hands. And it's one of those dishes where everybody sits around, like, one dish and you're all sharing it. So there's, like, a kind of sense of camaraderie. And there was this like a way of like showing closeness of like, you know, we're all eating from one thing. Awesome. I love that answer. Uh, Lauren, I think you have another question. I do. I'm also going to quickly say uh, for Ashlyn and Sid next time, if we ever record in the same location, because we're all spread out across the United States, we will make a plan to order Ethiopian food. Ethiopian food. That sounds great. But I was wondering uh, if you were given the opportunity to write an extra, let's say like 100 pages or so for social distance, what would you write? Any scenes come to mind? Um, so I might write not an alternate ending, but I had like an alternate version of the uh, going on the plane and like taking the flight to Taiwan. I, I kind of half wrote that fork and then I realized oh this is getting like too long so I kind of cut that part out but I think if I had like an extra 100 pages I could do that and they could have like some like actual distance between them and see how Gabe and Thea navigated that and like put in some kind of phone sex scene Listen, if you ever randomly decide to write like a one-off short story with Gabe and Thea that involves that, we will review it. Please. And simply for our own pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Now, Sid, would you want to uh, take us home for this section of questions? Yes, I would. And really, I only have kind of one more question for this, and that is... Is there a theme or message that you hope readers take away from social distance? 
Yeah, I think I didn't really have it in mind while I was writing it, but it kind of formed as I was going through the story. And part of it is just like, even in like scary, isolating times, it's still possible to find human connection and like feel close to people, even if you aren't like in the same room with them. Awesome. And I think that's an important message that I feel like a lot of readers definitely needed to hear during that time and probably even now. um, Because especially like, for example, like Lauren just said, the three of us, none of us are living in the same state. Well, we're living in the same states, but not close. So it's good to recognize that you can still have that connectivity with someone and be close to that person. But maybe you're not maybe you can't be as close to them as you would like to be. Yeah, there's just like different ways of building community and like maintaining that communication that we don't need to be close, like physically close for. Mm-hmm. You could say socially distanced. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. So kind of going into here, we're kind of going into our just closing questions for this interview. And again, want to thank you for answering all these questions. You've been a fantastic guest and also first guest because we've never done this before. <laughs> oh, you guys so, seem like old pros. We do listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're just cheating and copying from everybody else. The greats before us. We're literally going, hey, we're going to copy your homework, but just change it just a little bit. <laughs> So I guess uh, one of the last questions I kind of have for you, well, I have some more after this, but are there any books you would recommend that we read on the podcast? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so since this is a romance podcast, I'm going to kind of tailor it to romance novels. So this is a contemporary romance, but um, I read this was like years ago I read this really good series of I want to say steampunk pirate romance (laughs) and it's by um her name is I think Mel Jean Brooke and I think the series is called the Iron Seas and it's like super like super like not alpha ho but it's definitely like very like male female like that kind of dynamic but then there's also some like weird stuff going on with like some steampunk things and I think one of them has like a kraken or an octopus but it's just like really if you want like a swashbuckling adventure tale with like a lot of romance and like pretty steamy like that's like a really good escapist romance Ashlyn, write that down, write that down, write that down. (laughs) And then I think I mentioned this too, but like Jasmine Guillory, the last one I read of hers, which was like Drunk on Love, which is about um, a woman who owns uh, like a black owned winery and she meets this guy who just happens to be in like Sonoma helping with his mom's like Airbnb or bed and breakfast. And he's this burned out software engineer, which you know I can relate to and they're just like so sweet with each other and I don't know it's such a good read those are those are going to go on the list we actually have like a whole spreadsheet of all of our suggested reads that we're going to read in the future (laughs) which link in our bio by the way (laughs) 
Do the selfless plug. <laughs> Lauren, you got questions, I think. Yeah, real quickly, I was going to say, I when I was doing some snooping on your Amazon author page, hope that it's not too creepy. Um, <laughs> I noticed that you had listed that you were sort of into video games. Um, I was wondering, are you familiar at all with like the Bioshock series? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That book you described, that first one really reminds me of that. One of my favorite game series of all time. And Ashlyn, I'm going to we're we're going to read it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need to. Yeah, I need it kind of does that. have that like that aesthetic. Definitely does. It reminded me so much of that. But for last couple of questions here, I was wondering if you were to give advice to folks that maybe wanted to start writing or maybe take a leap in their own careers and transition into writing for the first time, what would it be? I would say just just do it. Like there's there's nothing. The entry is like, what is it? The barrier is so low. And even if you end up not liking it, like that's kind of a data point for you to have later, too. Like just. Just do it. And then even when it feels hard, just put those words on the page because sometimes it is a slog, especially when you get like stuck on a scene. It's fine to just go forward and like fill it in later. Just be like info for later and then brackets and then come back later and curse yourself about like, why, why did I put this? Like, what was I going to put in this section here? Yeah, you hear you heard it here, folks. If you want to write a book. Just do it. Start now and don't look back. That sounds awesome and definitely very encouraging advice because I think it shows truly that anyone that has that passion and that desire to to use their voice to tell a story very, very well can. The tools are at their disposal and that's super awesome and I'm sure very encouraging to hear for people that want to delve into writing. Now, I know you already sort of told us that you have a sequel in the works that is featuring Olivia. Is there, we won't pry too much, of course, if you want to save spoilers, but is there any, anything that you could tell us about it? Um, yeah, so it's going to be a, uh, an office romance during the pandemic. So we'll see how that goes because, there, you know, there's certain points in the pandemic where you could go in the office, you can't. So I'm still trying to navigate that. And I actually had to stop writing it halfway through because while I was writing kind of the office work scenes, it was like a too triggering about like what it's like to have like an office job. So I started another a novella, which is like completely not in the social distance, like pandemic romance universe, but um, is kind of. It has a different structure and it was like another thing where I was like, oh, let me try this different structure as like a challenge or as like a scaffold of like what I can write. So that will probably come out before the office romance, but we'll see how quickly I can write that. <laughs> Obviously no rush at all, but we will be so excitingly waiting and I, I guarantee you we will absolutely get our hands on some copies as soon as they come out we are super big fans of your work we haven't made that abundantly clear already and we are super excited to see what you go on to write and what all you accomplish in the future oh thank you of course sydney take us home girl all right well what social media flat platforms can our listeners find you on go ahead and plug yourself 
Yeah, I'm Junyi. I can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Junyi Books, or you can just email me, JuniWrites at gmail.com. And I think I also have Junyi.com, but Instagram is probably the best way to find me. I will say that's how we got uh, in contact with you and with our great social media done by Lauren. (laughs) But... We just really wanted to thank you for coming on and being our first ever um, interviewee. And we, again, just really enjoyed your work. And we seriously can't wait for whatever comes next from you. Thank you for those kind words. I really enjoyed being on here. It was just so fun to talk about romance. I mean, I'm a big romance reader, too. So it's nice to talk with other romance fans. You know what? I am a reformed romance reader myself, so I I have really enjoyed talking to you and I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed listening to you. And that is all we kind of have for this episode unless you have anything else you'd like to say. No, I think that's it. Thanks for having me. All right, sounds great. Well, listeners, you tune in next week or no, 2 weeks from now and we'll get back to our nope. One week? Three weeks? One week. Never mind. I'm getting numbers from our producer. And we don't know what we're doing. It's fine. <laughs> we're, we're straight vibing. It's just vibes over here. <laughs> we're trying our best. But we will be back to our regularly scheduled program with our review of One Last Stop. Or will this come out before? I don't remember. No? After? Okay, cool. <laughs> Again, just vibes. <laughs> But that is all from us. And this is all from the Rontu Power Hour ladies. And of course, our special guest, Jun Yi. And I will say sayonara for now. So we will see you later, our very frisky friends. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH Podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. As always, stay raunchy. Stay raunchy.